I think we all secretly hate being there, but we all know we have to. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, I'm joined by Sasha Tripp. Now, Sasha Tripp is a residential realtor out of Charlottesville, Virginia, and a principal broker and owner of Story House Real Estate. Now, Sasha also speaks and teaches internationally as a CRS annual celebration speaker, webinar instructor, and she also coaches agents at state and local associations, conferences nationwide. Now, when she opened up her brokerage five years ago, she just basically took her team with her and they went from five people to now about 20 people. And the average transaction per agent comes down to just about 40 because they're doing last year, 230 transactions with about six agents. And we got talking on the show right before the show. And she said, not all of them were actually full time, which is absolutely crazy. This year, they're on track to easily hit 300 plus um, units. And we're going to unpack three distinct topics that are going to be part of their success. And topic one, we'll cover greatness tracker, aka the sales activity tracker. And topic two, we'll talk about accountability coach, which I think more of us need in this business. And in topic three, we'll talk about the perfect schedule, which I'm extremely curious about because I tend to screw that one up more often than not and not be as consistent. So Sasha, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I love, um, I just love being able to bounce things back and forth with other people that are like out in the trenches doing this at the same time. So I'm super excited to be here. You, you know, it's like um, Gary Vaynerchuk says, you're out in the dirt and covered in shit all the way up past your knees at this point. <laughs> That's right. And it's nice to have some other people. It's like misery loves company, right? And it's like, I say misery and jest, but it's like, yeah, we're all out there working our asses off. And it is so fun to find other people that are like hustling at the same level that are kind of going after big things. Cause you know, we all have the same hardships each day, but we all get some cool celebrations too. So Yeah, you know, I think the best part about this journey is that somebody has gone before you and has paved the path. So like if we wanted to play professional sports, let's just take football, for example, like there's a lot of different variables that you really, really need to be good at in order to make it to the NFL. Right. Yeah. But here in this business, you could literally come from nothing, have no formal education. And if you're willing to work and grind and listen, be coachable and track your metrics, which we'll talk about in just a second, you can make more money than an average doctor or attorney or even a professional athlete or an really? actor, actress, whatever's out there. You know, well, I talk about this all the time. I mean, professional athlete in a given year is going to make more than me, but in a, in a career length, we can, we can out earn them easily because their mm-hmm. career might be five years and mine could be 40 years doing what I love to do. And it is, crazy. There's no other way, at least in our market, we see everybody's incomes, right? As they're buying houses, there's just no other way to have this kind of ability. That's like sort of, there's no ceiling on it. If you're willing to work hard and be self-disciplined and self-driven, 
we can't beat it. So it's a really cool opportunity. I'm just so grateful that I fell into it, right? Just a little so, bit. So take, take us back since you said you fell into it. Take us back to day oh one. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know if, you know, like I know the brokerage has been around for five years, but take right. us back, back to when you first started. Well, it's so funny. Um, I just realized this yesterday. I, you know, I always feel I started like our young professional network at our local association. I was rookie of the year. And in my mind, I'm like still that person. And so I feel like I'm the ankle biter that's annoying all my other competitors. And they're like, oh, she's the tech savvy young girl. But I'm not young. I'm not the young one anymore. I'm 40 years old. Um, I've been in real estate for 17 years. But yeah, I fell into it. I was a religious studies major. I had no marketable skills. I came out of college not having taken like a marketing class, a business class, an economics class, anything that would functionally get me a job. Um, and I fell into real estate. I wanted to buy my first house. I realized I didn't know anything about a mortgage or a budget or being an adult human. Um, and so I just started taking the real estate classes because I didn't want to be ignorant purchasing my first home. And then at the end of it, I was like, well, I might as well get my license. And then here we are. I started real estate in 07. So, you know, possibly the worst market recession until the one we hit most recently. And there was only improvement from there, right? The first couple of years I made zero dollars um, and sold like really no houses. Um, but I learned a lot. And so by the time the market start, started turning a little bit, I was kind of ready to roll. So yeah, literally fell into it. You, you know, it's amazing. I, I look at very successful people that started in real estate and a lot of them have come out of that 07, 08, 09 era. Right. Um, and then obviously the second wave is I think 2020, 21, 22 were really, really good. And 23 people went into panic mode. Yeah. And I would say I'm coming out of that 20. Uh, like 22 yeah. three like for me my year was my that was 2023 for me it's like quote unquote the same number of transactions were happening in 09 that were happening in 03 nationwide right i'm sorry 23 yeah 23 and 2009 were the same um so like i didn't know any better I didn't know if the market was hard. I wasn't buying into the water cooler conversations and the bitching and moaning that was right. happening in my office. For me, it was like, I got a family. I got to put yeah. food on the table. I got bills to pay. That's right. And it is what it is. And I have tripled my business in 2023. And I'm going to look back at it and it's going to be surreal um, because if you can do it at the hardest time, right. Per se that everybody says to me, it's no, to me, it was just like, right. It was just the time. It was what it was, you yeah. know, like I don't have anything to compare it to. Um, but I have plenty of, of friends, individuals, people that we've interviewed on the podcast and they say the same thing. Right. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. And I think the biggest thing is when you're first starting out and you're going about getting transactions under your belt is figuring out what you need to do, how you need to do it, what you need to track. Um, and I'm guessing that's how you came up with your greatness tracker, 
right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, in those couple of years in 07, I mean, I was young. I was just out of college. I had no adult friends yet. You know, there are a million. We have um, Charlottesville probably, you know, I don't know how I could figure this out for sure. But I think we have one of the highest number of realtors per capita of any city I've ever heard of. We have about one realtor per every 130 people. And that includes wow. like men, women, children, undergrads, like the, the University of Virginia. They are, they're not buying. It's almost like Florida. You get your driver's license, your voters. Yeah, it's like you might as well get that real estate license. So we have a ton of realtors. So I went into the industry like young, literally no adult friends. Nobody, you know, it's really hard to live in Charlottesville right after college because there's not a lot of entry level jobs. So all my friends left. No one was buying homes here. Um, So similar to what people are struggling with today in that generation right outside of college. And so I literally had no homes to sell for the first year or two. So all I did was educate myself. And in that process, I feel like every salesperson said the same thing, right? It's like, have a certain number of phone calls, get belly to belly, face to face, send some thank you notes so that you're memorable and you're showing a sense of gratitude and go to events, right? So it's like every coach, Buffini, Tom Ferry, every coaching system said the same thing. The greatness tracker is um, not my individual thought. It's from a coaching system. Um, I was coached by and then coached for the core coaching, which is real estate and mortgage lenders across the nation. And the greatness tracker is their version of it that just worked the best for me after I had seen a million different variations of it. But really, it's like... um, I got to put food on the table, which means I've got to generate a certain amount of leads and it's all a numbers game. So in order to get the number of leads I want, which for me is 10 leads a week to be able to like drive my team, um, then I just have to do some sales activities. So uh, that's where the Greatness Tracker was born. It's not something I created. It's something that you know every sales coach over the history of time created. Um, and it's just a piece of paper making sure that it's like my report card. So in a week, do I see... Um, 15 people face to face, like meaningfully, not just like, oh, hey, Bob, like across the room, waving, giving them a high five and moving on. Do I see 15 people meaningfully? Do I have 50 to 60 great phone calls, 10 to 15 thank you cards out the door and then attend some events, right? So it's like spend time belly to belly, face to face. And I sort of learned that if I just did those activities um, weekend and week out, no matter what else sort of came or fell or I had time for or didn't have time for, then I could generate the business I needed. On the weeks when I don't make time for those activities, I'm probably really busy on the files, but I'm just not generating any future prospecting or future leads. So it's a super simple equation. And for me, I just realized that I saw all sorts of realtors all across the nation that... Um, Sometimes, I mean, you see realtors, sometimes they're not super personable. They're not super magnetic. They don't have a ton of energy. Uh, Some of them are truly, I don't want to be rude, but like can be painful to talk to, but it is just a numbers game. So they may just have to make a few more phone calls than I do or see a few more people than I do. But at some point they have a batting average. And if they see enough people, you know, their conversion rate will, will predetermine how many leads they get out of it. So once I realized that it was just a big math equation, it sort of motivated me to get out of the weeds, like stop, you know, perfecting my website every day, stop touring houses every day and just go get in front of people. So I'm sure you hear that over and over again from all the people that you're talking to about their success, but it's just a little document that helps me track it a little bit more clearly. Yeah. So let me dive into that a little bit because some people are going to listen to this and say, you know, Sasha, this shit is way too simple. You said 15 meaningful 
conversations. Uh-huh. Yeah, 15 face to face. 50 to 60 phone calls. Yeah. I want to highlight the phone calls because everybody's yeah, gonna that's it. where people get a little confused, I think. Yeah. Um, 10 to 15 thank you cards. Yeah. And then attend some kind of event. So basically one event. Let's let's call it at that. At that yeah, one. If you can make it mean meaningful, either you host an event or you go to a good chamber event that's not, you know, I feel like we all go to some events sometimes where we don't really talk to anybody and we just grab I was about to say, like, where do you find events? Because I freaking hate events. Like if you tell me go to a networking event. I'm like, just shoot me in the face. Really? Okay. So 100%. I'm an introvert and I feel the same way about all this, I'm, I'm an introvert, activity. but I have to be an extrovert for okay, this. We, right. We get paid to be extroverts. I 100%. will say for me, um, I, I feel like your generation, you're younger, way younger than I am. I have that phone phobia. So for me, I'm like, I cannot, like, I'll make a ton of phone calls. I do not want to. I accidentally talk over people. My service here is not that good. It's awkward. I'm kind of like, I'll do anything to avoid having to make the phone calls. So for me, uh, events are a lot easier because then I can go and maybe see five or six people at a time. Whereas if I had dialed five or six people and had to get through voicemails and actually talk to five or six people, it would take me a longer amount of time. But um, for me, I just try to find things I migrated towards. Can I be on a board of directors? Can I be on a committee that I actually enjoy? I used to go, like there were times of desperation where I would go on like meetup.com and I would be like, well, there's a hiking group meeting today and I haven't seen enough people this week. So I'm going to go to the hiking group or there's a crochet group or there's a bridge group, like things I'm capable of doing, not necessarily things I would have signed up for on my own volunteerism. But If I was getting towards the end of the week and I was like, I am way low, I have not seen enough people or met enough new people to get where I need to go, I would just go online, go on Facebook, see what events are happening in your community. That was, um, again, desperation mode. That's like lack of planning. I wasn't prepared. Maybe I had to miss something earlier in the week and I got behind. In a perfect world, I would go to chamber networking events, business women's luncheons, rotaries, BNI groups. There's so many groups of people that like, I think we all secretly hate being there, but we all know we have to do it. So if you can find that kind of low hanging fruit of other people that are sort of like in the trenches with you being in a little bit of discomfort, I found that that was the easiest way for me to do it. And then as I got better, I started just creating my own group, you know, so I'll have, um, I have a board of directors for my business of people that meet and help advise me on my business quarterly. I've created a faith-based business leaders group. So I get together with business people that are Christian faith tied to my church. That's been a really nice fit for me. Um, We'll do home buyer, home seller workshop type of things. I found that like, if I can dictate it and then I can choose who's in the room, I look forward to it a little bit more and I don't have that, you know, resistance to going But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you just have to meet enough people. If you don't have your name in front of enough people to begin with, then, um, you know, shooting. You don't have a business, right? If you haven't prospected, one of my coaches said you haven't opened for business that day. And I'm like, that's right. That's why we have this real estate roller coaster, these ups and these downs, these peaks and these valleys, right? Right. Well, and I look at it like we're salespeople, right? So if we spend, you know, if we're working an eight hour day, which probably arguably a lot of us work more than eight hours a day, if we're truly salespeople, we should be spending 50 plus percent of our time in sales. So if you're just prospecting for an hour and then the rest of the time you're doing paperwork, you know, you're 
fixing your marketing, you're learning about the market, you're studying data. I mean, then you're just a glorified administrative assistant. So it's like, if we want to be making the income of salespeople, we have to be in sales activities for 50 plus percent of the day, which I think if like the average young agent focused only on that and nothing else, like have I spent 50% of my day face-to-face or belly-to-belly or on the phone, that would get you in the right direction even before you start tracking all these other numbers because you just wouldn't be able to hit those hours if you weren't, you know, if you weren't picking the phone up quite often and bopping around to these various events, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, So, so your activity tracker, your greatness tracker, is that only focus on the front end or do you have stuff that you also track on the back end? Like, cause like I track contacts, Right. right? to appointments, from appointments to contracts, contracts to closings. And then uh, there's a lot more metrics in between. But for me, like, just like for you, it's a very simple equation. Okay, I spend X amount in marketing, I get right. Y amount in ROI. Do you track more or do so you- So we track like, I would arguably say that we track too much. Like I'm a data person. At the end of the day, I love to crunch a spreadsheet and figure out what's going on. I track everything, but what I have found with our younger agents is keeping it really, really simple so that they don't get overwhelmed and they don't just sort of find themselves focusing on the thing that they have the least resistance to. So we used to track all sorts of stuff for them, but that I, we found that most recently we just simplify it. So we have our, um, in our sales team meetings, all of our agents come together once a week and we have three metrics that they are held accountable to. And it's number of phone calls, number of leads, number of ratifieds, and each person has their own goal that they're supposed to hit on a weekly basis. And they just come in and they say on track, on track, off track, or off track, off track, on track, or off track, off track, off track, or on track, on track, on track. So it's the three metrics. So phone calls, leads, contracts, and they report in and they have this group reporting function where they're all saying it in front of each other. And then we try to help the people that are struggling to be on track with their goals. We found that when we simplified it to just like those three things, did you do those three things? Um, the rest follows. Uh, and then of course I'm in the numbers all the time. In my, we, we now have a um, COO who helps, like we track everything. We just don't want people to get in the weeds. Cause I feel like you can just monitor so much that you spend your time monitoring and you don't spend your time producing if that makes sense. So yes, Absolutely. I think you have to have those metrics. It, somebody in the organization has to have those metrics that, that, you know, they're keeping a pretty close eye on. I like the simplicity for the front end, aka the agents. And, you know, there's a saying analysis paralysis. People yeah. get stuck there. I think when you dumb it down, essentially, or I maybe I just let me to walk that back. When you simplify it to just yeah. three, people tend to do it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one on one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 